Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. We are going to preview tonight's matchup on Thursday Night Football with the Carolina Panthers briefly today, but we're going to do something a little bit different because you guys have, have a good idea of what Carolina is all about, right? We just saw them. We, I mean, we, we just saw them. So we don't need to go too, too in-depth um, with that. Instead, what we're going to do is kind of a mid-year check-in. I have no idea um, when the middle of the NFL season is anymore because 17 games is not a nice even number. And I'm a journalist, you know, math is hard. So we're going to check in with Steve Weish from the NFL Network, uh, covered the Falcons for a long time, still does the preseason um, broadcast. One of my favorite things about training camp is the opportunity to get to catch up with him because he's just so knowledgeable about everything going on around the league. And I I love the perspective that he brings when he talks about the Falcons because, you know, we're all Falcons all the time. And he gets a little bit of that outsider's perspective while still knowing so much about this squad. So it was a great conversation with Steve. I think he puts a lot of things um, into context. I think he does a good job of helping us understand maybe what could continue, what won't continue, and and the players who have really um, defined this season so far for Atlanta. Uh, So that's going to be the bulk of today's show. When we come back from these messages, I'm going to do just kind of touch on some of the big news So far from the week, the injury situation heading into tonight's matchup, as well as why the Colts situation and how everything has played out for them this season is a great reminder that every single year in the NFL is a brand new year and the previous expectations shouldn't mean a whole lot. So we're going to get into that right after this. Basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for hoops betting and all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether we're talking NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's that easy. Just make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, crazy news out of Indianapolis this week, um, obviously Frank Reich fired. Matt Ryan previously benched. Who knows kind of what this means for his standing? You know, Matt's obviously hurt. He's been hit a whole hell of a lot because of the uh, status of the Colts' high-paid and underperforming offensive line. So when he's healthy, it remains to be seen if if the Colts are gonna want to put him back out there. I mean, the the Colts have not looked good at all with uh, Sam Ellinger running the offense. And as somebody who is Michael Pittman on his fantasy football teams, uh, I'd be a big, big fan. It would, it would mean a lot to me, frankly, Indy, 
if you just put number two back out there, if he's healthy and if he's good to go. Obviously, the Colts hired Jeff Saturday, a move that I think a lot of people uh, in the media around the NFL are very surprised by. Somebody who was in the media not not too long ago this week. Um, and it's really interesting. I'm going to kind of withhold judgment because I know just enough to know that I know absolutely nothing. And the Nick Sirianni hire didn't look too, too great right at the start. Um, that's obviously going pretty well right now. Not to say that Jeff Saturday is going to be that because we've seen plenty of uh, hires that we all kind of laughed at at the start turn out like Joe Judge. And yeah, so we'll see which way Jeff Saturday goes. But the fact that Indianapolis finds themselves right here right now. Uh, and again, we're in week 10. We're in week 10. This is midway through the season. The Colts were a popular pick to be a dark horse candidate in the AFC and a very loaded AFC, certainly right after the Matt Ryan signing or trade rather. And I'm as guilty of this as anybody. I was like, the Colts kind of found their missing piece. And, and this is what it's going to take for them to go deep into the playoffs and make a push for the Super Bowl. I mean, I was 100% certain that, that was going to be the case. Because I was thinking about the Colts of previous years. I was thinking about the Jonathan Taylor of last year, certainly. I was thinking about the Colts offensive line from probably two or three years ago. I was thinking about the defense from probably three years ago, uh, right? When Darius Leonard was really coming onto the scene and you had um, a bunch of really uh, guys who were underrated, but who I really liked on that defensive line and Malik Hooker and, and all of these guys. I thought were really great, but they haven't been that team and they haven't been close to that team. Uh, and in fact, I think Matt Ryan was actually doing a, a lot now in hindsight to keep them into some of these games. And, and Matt played poorly. Don't misunderstand me. I mean, he threw some really bad picks. He did not look like himself, but he was also getting crushed all the time. When Matt Ryan, I think, chose the Colts, it's because of exactly what I just said. I think he saw Matthew Stafford go to a team that felt like it had a good roster and was ready to compete and that he could put it over the top. Frank Reich, I think, is somebody who Matt Ryan probably has a lot of respect for as a former quarterback in this league, somebody who, you know, was in Philadelphia when they went on their Super Bowl run. It wasn't supposed to be like this. But the Falcons also weren't supposed to be here. And that's kind of where I find these two things interesting is when Matt Ryan was was traded to the Colts, we looked at it as, all right, the Colts are gearing up. They're ramping up the Falcons. They're finally tearing it down. And that's it's not been a complete opposite, but right now those two things are more opposite than than we expected uh, when it all happened. And that's not to say that the Falcons all of a sudden have taken that Colts spot and that they should be considered dark horse candidates or anything like that. All I'm saying is that in a year when Green Bay is bottoming out, Tampa Bay has not been the team that we expect them to be. They're still in first place, but they're not the Tampa Bay that we have come to know under Tom Brady. The New York Giants are currently in the playoffs if they ended today. The Atlanta Falcons are the eight seed. They would be one spot out if the playoffs ended today. Those two things sure as heck weren't supposed to happen. The Seattle Seahawks would be the third seed right now. The Falcons have an opportunity in front of them and all of this talk about what they weren't supposed to be should kind of end. We're at the midpoint of this season. We've seen what the Falcons are. 
the road is in front of them. If they can capture this opportunity, they can certainly make a run of the playoffs because of the team that they have shown they are this year. Do I still think that they have the most talent? No, but that hasn't mattered. That hasn't mattered against good teams. And I don't think that's going to matter against an easier slate the rest of the way. And even if they make the postseason, some of the teams that they would be conceivably matching up against, Seattle, they beat Seattle. They beat Seattle in Seattle. San Francisco, well, we saw what happened uh, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium a few weeks ago. If the Falcons do make the postseason, I don't think it's necessarily a guarantee that they are just one and done and absolutely blown out because I think that they have deserved the benefit of the doubt to know that they're probably going to make it a game against every team not named Cincinnati. So we should learn from the Colts lesson and maybe not presume too much based on the past because what we're seeing in Atlanta and what we're seeing in Indy is there's no guarantee based on what has happened previously that something will happen in the future. So I I think that's another reason to be all in on this Falcons team. If you kind of find yourself sitting on the fence and you're not really sure if you want to give in and, and truly root for this team because you don't want to be let down. I totally understand, but I think it's finally time that we can let our guard down. Now I'm, I'm, I say all that and tonight they're going to go out and lay an egg and be four and six. And we'll keep talking about Desmond Ritter. I just don't think that's going to be the case with this Falcons team. I think the chargers game was, was a little bit of an outlier and I'm excited to see what they can do with another opportunity to come through in these specific situations, prove that they can lock down these details. Um, And I I think they get a good win tonight and it sets them up moving forward. They will have to get that win without AJ Terrell, which I don't think is a surprise without Eric Harris, a little bit more of a surprise. Um, Felipe Franks. I don't know if that's the the biggest um, loss for them, although he has been playing a little bit more. He's been getting on the field Um, A bit more to mixed results, I would say. But those guys are out. Matt Hennessy also out, placed on IR earlier this week. Colby Gossett, who I think a lot of people, um, at least those who are on Twitter and and DMing me, uh, are excited to see. And I'm excited to see him as well. I think Matt Hennessy is maybe a better run blocker. I thought he performed actually pretty well um, in the game against the Chargers and was a big reason why the Falcons were able to run the ball super well. But... We'll see how Gossett can plug in there. And, and he's going to be getting some help, I think, from Jake Matthews. But the Panthers are, are a different animal up front. So we'll see what they can do. I like Atlanta a little bit more in this rebound. Um, I don't know. I just trust them to play two good games. Like I, They've been consistent this year. So I trust them to come out with a, with a solid game plan and, and to kind of get it together on a short week more so than a Carolina team that has, again, fired coaches this week that had to come out and name it starting quarterback. Like, there's just a few more things on the periphery for the Panthers. So I like the Falcons um, in this one on the short week. But we'll see tonight. So with all of that, let's uh, get into my conversation about Steve Weish. That is great. I hope you guys learn a lot. We touched on a, on a variety of different topics. And again, Steve is so much better at this than I am. So enjoy. I'm very excited to be joined again by Steve Weish here on the podcast. Going to break down the Falcons at the midpoint of the season. Steve, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us today. Oh, no, Will. Thanks for having me. This is great. Always look forward to chatting with you, man. 
Yeah. And, you know, you're somebody who I love to get insight from because you have so much insight on what's going on around the league, which I think helps bring such a unique perspective to the Falcons because we're here Falcons 24 seven. Right. So I think you're able to be that breath of fresh air, that kind of gut check of like, all right, I know you guys see it this way. Here's how maybe it really is in the big picture of how things are going in the league. So, yeah, again, I'm really excited to to get your thoughts on this team overall. But I want to start with your just lasting takeaways from the Chargers loss because felt like the Falcons had some real momentum, that they had an opportunity to kind of go above 500 for the first time since 2017, which is when I started working for the Falcons, which is insane. So what what are your lasting impressions from that game? Look, how many times have we seen this this season? This is about the third time where they've had a chance to close out a game and they couldn't do it. Or they've gotten themselves in situations to win a game late and couldn't do it, right? Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. you know, couldn't do it. You know, we, there was the call, but um, <laughs> right. there's that. There's, you know, the the game against the Saints, you know, their opportunities, um, you know, were they, were they able to, to do some things there? So this is kind of the ebb and flow. Um, that game was tough. You know, you saw mm-hmm. Taquan Grab picked up the fumble at the end and, you know, lost the ball. And, and the Chargers had an opportunity uh, to win the ball game, which they did. But I just thought there were some opportunities late in the passing game um, that Marcus Mariota just didn't follow through with that, that could have got some points on the board. I'm sure when they watched the film, they're like, man, we just had too many chances to put to score touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't do it, which again has is, is been a kind of a common theme for this team, especially in crunch situations, because they're competitive enough to win all of these games, right? I love what the Falcons have become. I expected them to kind of be this team in terms of being eight, you know, eight win team, like right around 500 type of team, because I knew Arthur Smith was going to have them ready to compete. I just didn't know certain players were going to emerge like they did. Um, but, you know, I think this is going to kind of be a pattern of what we saw with the Chargers. They're going to be a tough out. Falcons should have probably put more points on the board early when it was still, you know, 10.30 a.m. Pacific time for the Chargers, <laughs> and, and, yep. and they failed to do so. Um, but, you know, it was a tough loss, but not one that they can't bounce back from Thursday night. No, it's not devastating by any means, but it is frustrating, I think, because you saw signs of – a team maybe learning how to put some teams away, especially on defense, the Seattle game, the Cleveland game, you have game winning interceptions in both of those San Francisco, a fourth down stop that gets the offense back and really kind of limiting San Francisco's offense, the entire second half there to then bounce back and have the Panthers game and then the chargers game. And honestly, if the Panthers game goes differently, I mean, we're sitting here saying, wow, the Falcons went from kind of figuring out how to win these games to now three losses. And and now you've got all those types of issues, but Like you said, it is correctable. They're going to get a chance here really quickly to correct it on Thursday night on the road in Carolina. And what's interesting to me about this matchup, Steve, is that we've seen Atlanta's offense give teams fits, mostly because of how kind of multiplicative it can be with how many variations off of the same look and how that creates headaches just mentally for all of the defensive players that that have to look at what they're doing. But given the fact that they just saw Atlanta, you know, the, the week before last, does that give Carolina any sort of edge defensively because they're, they've got film exactly of what Atlanta did to them and it is very, very fresh? Or does all the coaching turnovers and the general upheaval going on in Carolina right now maybe kind of negate that and take that out the window? What's your read on this game? 
I, I won't say it gives him an edge. I mean, like both teams are dealing with the same circumstance, right? They just played two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, not even that long. So I wouldn't say it gives him an edge, but I mean, they're familiar. Now it's really going to come down to execution, right? You're not Thursday night games. You're not going to necessarily out scheme a team because you're coming off of basically three walkthrough practices. And mm-hmm. if it's a division opponent, they already kind of know the principles of what you do. Like you said, they just experienced it. And you're probably you know, not going to open up too much of the playbook of anything they haven't seen on film or had to guard against a couple weeks ago. And that's why I said execution is so important, right? You know, you can't let DJ Moore get behind you on a Hail Mary <laughs> right. um, on something like that. But then you try to put them away so it's not going to be that type of circumstance. But in all likelihood, it's going to be another, you know, three-point type of game. Again, a division game on a short week. Uh, Carolina just got, you know, the hell kicked out of it um, by Cincinnati, whereas the Falcons were in another grinded-out game. This is where mm-hmm. the Falcons just have to really kind of suck it up. Mariota's going to have to make some plays. I mean, he's just missing too many guys um, on too many throws, and there's opportunity to make some plays. You know, the defense, take advantage of what you see on film against Cincinnati. I mean, this Carolina offense kind of really hit some snags, and the defense has played pretty well. You know, continue to grow and take advantage. Um, But everything still comes down to the run game. And getting Cordero Patterson back. Um, is is huge. You saw just the aggressiveness and the style that he plays with, and how that kind of got Algier. Like you're seeing Algier steadily understand yes. what's wanted out of this run game, the patience it takes sometimes, or the aggression it takes sometimes. It seemed to take him a while to figure that out, but now he's kind of stepping into that dangerous in the screen game. And you know, Caleb Huntley's just a big slab of beef um, <laughs> that's hard for teams, you know, to to get a hold of. So. Not having Hennessy the center is a tough blow. Um, it is. But I, I think they've got a certain mindset right now where every game you're gonna get you're gonna get something from the Falcons that you know that you played a very physical game. Do you think it's beneficial that because the Falcons identity offensively is so tied up in the run game and not that the run game is is easier because it's definitely not, but it may be a little less kind of involved in terms of the movement of the pill. Like I'm doing a bad job of phrasing it, but basically what I'm getting at is because the Falcons identity on offense is the run game. Do you think that makes it a little bit easier on a short week when you don't have that time to really dig into a scheme and and flesh out a full game plan? Like, can they just lean on this run game? And is that more effective for a short week than maybe other teams game plans would be? It's who they are. I mean, the Ravens run the hell out of the ball. Everyone knows what they're going to do. But you can't <laughs> yeah. stop it. Well, I won't say you want, you don't know what they're going to do. You know they're, they're the basic tenets of what they are going to do because they're so creative off of what they do. Um, the Giants run the ball, right? So right. why go to try to be creative on a short week and break your identity? Arthur Smith has built an identity with this team, and, man, he can call some plays. Yes, he can. And – for what he's been able to do with a question with questionable personnel on this offensive line to come up with blocking schemes that are really hard to defend against, especially with the physicality that they play with. No, I mean Carolina may know every play that the Falcons are going to run, but they got to stop it, and that's and that's part of it. I mean it's not that simple because I do think Arthur Smith is pretty damn creative in what he's designed and the way they execute it, but it's going to be nothing extravagant. It is going to be steak and potatoes, 
our guys are going to outplay your guys. And that's where execution will dictate whether Atlanta wins this game. Well, they better uh, better be able to execute, I think, a little bit better than they did down the stretch on Sunday. But that's what the NFL is now in 2022. It's who can execute down the stretch uh, and, and in the big situational moments with the details. So we will look forward to that on Thursday. But Steve, I just want to now kind of pull out, get a macro view of this team. You mentioned that you thought that this could be a seven, eight win team, kind of around 500 going into the season. That prediction is looking great right now. <laughs> so I'm curious, is this the path that you thought that they would take to kind of be in the mix at this time of the year? Here's where, here's where they surprised me. I thought they were going to get bludgeoned in their first seven games. Right? You look mm-hmm. at that schedule before the season, you're like, geez. Right. Like, this is a rough stretch for, for like the best of teams. Right? And they came out where they did. I mean, they were – you know, they were right around 500. I think they were four and four when they came out of the first eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, to have that type of record, I'm like, all right. Which is why, to me, like that loss to the Chargers, you know, in Atlanta was like a tough one to swallow. It was. It really was. Yeah. Because if you go five and four looking at the next stretch of games, you have a legit shot. You have put yourself in a position to get double digit wins and possibly win the division, right? So, I think with the, with the way their schedule lays out, you know, after this game, you get kind of the mini buy. Tampa's no gangbusters, right? They should have won the first time, you know. Mm-hmm. The Saints, the Saints, I think they've already played twice, correct? No, they've got the Saints one more, but it's it's okay. back. Like they're they're like the last two games are like Saints and Bucks. Okay, okay. so now you've got a bunch of you know non divisional games where you've got opportunities, and so. Again, the way that they finish those first seven or eight games is surprising. And I don't think we should be surprised at all if they finish on the plus side of 500 and they're in the, the playoff conversation all the way up until the end. And, and that's where, because when we looked at it before the year starts, you know, when you get the schedule release and, and the NFL has done such a great job of eventizing every little kind of administrative act of, of their offseason, but... Yeah, it was the first seven games where the massive standout, and it was like, this is brutal. The season's going to kind of be over before it even gets a chance to start here in Atlanta. But they did a great job of making sure that didn't happen. And now the bye week, they haven't had a bye week yet. The bye week's not until week 14. That could be a huge asset where beforehand we were looking at that as, man, they don't even get a break from just the slog that they've got. They made it through. Now they've got a, a long week after Thursday, another bye week. If they can kind of do what they're supposed to do here, they could make noise kind of in the playoffs or at least be a team mentioned as, hey, they could be frisky on that first weekend or, or second weekend if they can get there. Yeah. I mean, no question. You look at the status of the division, look at the status of the NFC. I mean, this mm-hmm. is kind of like the Eagles, the Vikings, the Cowboys. You know, you got to put the 49ers in there and the Seahawks in there. But other than the Eagles, anybody really making you say, God, it's a dominant team. You don't want to mess with them, you know? Yeah. So there's no reason where the fact that Atlanta came through the first half of the season the way it did, there's no reason that, you know, that they can't withstand. I mean, look, they've done a lot of this without A.J. Terrell. They did a lot of it without mm-hmm. Cordell Patterson. Um, 
you know, they've had some injuries, not devastating injuries, but they've had some injuries that have handicapped them. But, you know, you look at the way the defensive front is played. You look at that offensive line is played. We're talking about how garbage they were. I mean, and they, yeah. they played damn well. So that's what I'm saying. What Arthur Smith has done and helped formulate an identity is to where here's Caleb McGarry, the right tackle, who they don't pick up his option, and he's playing his ass off, right? He's playing fantastic football. Yes, he is. Um, you know, the running backs, Drake London is real. You know, you have a mm-hmm. guy like Olamide Zacchaeus who shows up every darn game. Um, you know, I do wish they could find a better way to use Kyle Pitts. I mean, I know it's kind of the fantasy football, you know, drudgery, but I'm looking at some of these teams, you know, Seattle with some of their three tight end stuff, Baltimore, some of the three tight end stuff that they do to get their tight ends open. You know, San Francisco yep. with some double tight end stuff. He is a weapon that needs to be – you know, utilized much more to open up this offense. And so what if you have to uh, keep him to protect from time to time when you don't? I think he's somebody who over the second half of the season, they have got to find a way to unleash because he's that talented. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's safe to say that if you're kind of making a list of the biggest disappointments, I guess, at this point in the year, Kyle Pitts's production or at least involvement in the passing offense as a receiver is, is right up there because it's just so much yes. fun to watch this guy with the ball in his hands. Right. And, and to watch him even be near the ball to see him because he can do this stuff that like a Julio Jones can do that. Uh, Calvin Johnson could do that. The most athletic people at this position or in the NFL can do. And I think everybody just wishes they could see it you know, more often for, for selfish reasons, of course. And the Falcons are using him in ways that help them win football games, which is more important, I think to Arthur Smith and this team. But yeah, selfishly, like you say, we just want to see Kyle Pitts fall out. Um, so if that's number one on the list, are there any other things that you expected to see or were excited to see coming into the year that maybe you haven't seen yet so far and, and are a little disappointed to have not seen it? Yeah, I mean, now we're nitpicking. Um, you know, I'd like to see Marcus Mario to be a little bit more consistent in the passing game. I mean, he's been so mm-hmm. fantastic leading this team and running and and doing some things to the offense, but man, he misses some throws sometimes where you're like, come on, dude, you know, you, this is, this yeah. is a layup here for you. You know, you, you got to hit it. So, I mean, that's part of it. I do think, you know, defensively, they've got to be more consistent on the back end. They allow, they've allowed too many explosive plays, but um, other than that, Will, I think what they've done front seven defensively, has been, you know, very, very impressive with some, some of the, you know, where the young people like Arnold Abiquetti have come around. Grady Jarrett's yep. been awesome. But I, I really can't sit there and say, you know, this team's got a ton of shortcomings other than overall top shelf talent. Yeah, I, I mean, that, and that is what's so exciting about the future of this team, right? Is because the top shelf, top shelf talent that's a tongue twister. Uh, you can hopefully get this upcoming offseason when you've got so much more flexibility um, with your salary cap and, and the culture and the the team identity, the the scheming, all of that stuff is hopefully going to be able to carry over year to year in a way that maybe some of the other bounces in the league um, don't. So yeah, a lot of exciting things here. And, and let's kind of stick with the exciting theme and talk about pleasant surprises. I think you know, for my part, coming into year two as uh, of Arthur Smith's um, kind of regime, as I was looking at 
who are guys I want to see make a leap. Richie Grant really stuck out uh, to me at the top of that list. And so to come into training camp to see that he is working with the starters alongside Jalen Hawkins, they're getting young guys up in the secondary there. And for him to continue that play into the season, playing big role, couple interceptions, one last week. I think Richie Grant has really taken a nice step forward in his second year. And I think that's going to be very meaningful and impactful for the Falcons secondary. So I'm sure you've got him kind of on your list. But is there anything else, Steve, that has been a pleasant surprise for you um, that you weren't necessarily expecting to see from the Falcons in 2022? Well, you could see Richie Grant in training camp that it clicked, right? I mean, the aggression he was playing with, he was playing so much faster. He wasn't thinking as much. He was playing football. Um, And like you said, just the safeties have been excellent. Isaiah Oliver coming back from the knee injury and and playing like he has. He played well last week. He's played well since he's come back. Uh, you know, he he's had really good games. D. Alford, I know he was nicked a little bit, but him him at nickel. Um, you know, again, I, Arnold Abiquetti, I mean, you could see it in training camp, like, all right, this guy, he can win, right? He's somebody on passing downs where where he can win and get to the quarterback. Like I when mentioned earlier. When do you think earlier, we're going to start seeing – sorry, Steve, but when do you think we're going to start seeing some of the hurries and the pressures kind of – converted into sacks for for Abikady. does he need another guy on the other side is that kind of what he's missing or do you think it'll it'll just come eventually it's, it's hard because sacks are you know you always hear about guys want to affect the quarterback and he affects the quarterback yes um so a lot of it could be depending on what they do you know if Malone you know he's shown some flashes if he can come in and and do some things that would that would help as well but also you know getting a sack is hard and you have to learn to do it because <laughs> A quarterback could be right here and you're within a foot away from him and the ball's out, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's got to learn how to close in certain ways. I mean, it's a hard thing to do. Like, you know, when you see Nick Bosa, the ground he covers when he smells it is amazing, right? And that's where, you know, someone like Epichetti has got to kind of learn a little bit of that, but it's all the moment of the game. And again, how how quick the quarterback is releasing it because Grady Jarrett's on him so quick most of the time. Yep. It's hard to get it's hard to get sacks. And so it'll happen. It'll happen the way he's he's affecting the quarterback, but but he's a player, man. I just think, I mean, Rashawn Evans has been such a, a bright surprise at inside linebacker coming in. You know, you thought this was a guy who was just someone who was friendly with Arthur Smith and he was gonna just show up and play. And he's been so good mm-hmm. um at what he's done. I think Drake London. I don't know if I see him drop a pass. That guy is like <laughs> so good. He makes a tough catch. Just gets right up and plays football. Um, I love the running backs. I mean, Caleb Huntley, who you know, who did, who saw that coming? He looked good in preseason, but he's going against yep. third stringers, and he's just taking advantage of his opportunities. And now you've got this great three man rotation with Cordero Patterson, Tyler Algier, and Huntley, all bring different things. But the one constant they bring is the physicality, mm-hmm. right? Again, if you're a safety or something, you got to tackle one of those guys. You better strap it up. And, and and just seeing that, you know, being on a football field, seeing your running back deliver like they finish runs and adhere to the style that Arthur Smith wants to play, that's a beautiful thing, man, because it's a passing league, right? But what are we saying about all the teams that are winning right now? They're running the football. Mm-hmm. You know, even a team like the Jets. You know, they lose Brees Hall, but they come out last week against the Bills and they're they're jackhammering them with some runs. Yeah. Um, 
it, it's just part of the game now where these teams are playing lighter linebackers or they're using a safety as someone to come down. These running backs, man, the ones who finish and the ones who, when it gets to the fourth quarter, make guys start making business decisions, that's what the Falcons running backs are doing, man. That's why they got to use different ways and get some leads to finish games like the way the running backs are finishing runs. Um so so they can, you know, pull out more and more of these close games that they're in. Yeah, I mean, Ovi and I were talking about this uh, on Sunday. It's It looks like the 2008 through 2010 version of the Falcons, right? I mean, it looks like the Mike Malarkey, Ovi Mihaly, Michael Turner. And I, you know, I mean, I think this is the first season since 2008 that they have had three games with over 200 rushing yards um, at this point in the season. So yeah, I mean, what they're doing on the ground is amazing. And Damian Williams belongs on kind of my disappointments list because I wanted to see him because I yeah, think that he good. would be, he would add such an element to this offense that's not there right now is kind of what they have tried to get Avery Williams, I think, to be a little bit. But Damian Williams is just that veteran who's done it a million times. And, and that's where I'm excited to see hopefully return soon um, from that rib injury. But a couple more here before I let you go, um, Steve, what trends do you expect to continue from the first half into the second half for Atlanta? Well, I mean, I think their defense is going to get, continue to get better. I mean, I think guys are still grasping some of the stuff Dean Pease is asking them to do, but, you know, if A.J. Terrell comes back, you know, in the next couple of weeks, they've got a lot of depth in that secondary, so they'll be able they to do. play maybe some schemes to a lot of different players. Um the other trend is like, I think you're going to continue to see these inside linebackers thrive. I mean, man, these guys are, are playing so well. Michael Walker, mm-hmm. um, like I said, Rashad Evans, Anderson, when he's getting in there, is playing pretty well. But I just think the overall trend is just the mindset. Like now they can smell success. You know, when you're going on two and three game losing streaks, you start to lose your confidence and doubt yourself. But well, that hasn't happened. And they see what's out there. They see how well they've played against some really good football teams. Like, okay. It, like, like our coach w- wasn't lying to us. Like, we're, we, we see what all this is, is, is you know, was, is it worth it? We're seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest question that, you know, Falcons fans, when I look at all their comments and stuff, is are we going to see Desmond Ritter? And I think right now, no, we're not going to see him because, you know, they're, they're in contention. You know, so unless Marcus gets hurt, you know, it might be might be next year before you see Desmond Ritter on the field because Mariota, as you know, he's not great, but some of these running lanes they're getting offensively are because of of his mobility and some of the things he's doing in the run game. Um, so you know, we'll see if we see Ritter at any point, but I can't I can't see it unless Marcus has an injury. You kind of preempted uh, one of my questions there. Of course, I had to ask oh, about the quarterback about situation. No, no, no. But that's great because that that frees me up to just go one more for you. Um, what do the Falcons have to do to make the playoffs, to actually actualize and and realize the goal that they have, have started now by playing so well through the really rough stretch? Everything's in front of them. What do they have to do to, to bring it home? Score touchdowns when, they, when, they're, when they're kicking field goals. Not all the time, but I mean, good God. Like I said, there's just too many times when there's an errant throw with a receiver open or mm-hmm. a penalty, which takes him, you know, from, you know, second and five to second and 15, you know, a lot of teams go through that, but they, they don't have that margin for error, right. Just because they don't have the passing game where you can just zip it right in there. Like Buffalo can, or like the chiefs can, um, you know, they've got a to string together. You've got to go on a two or three game win streak. 
Yeah. Right. You've got to be like, this is where we are rocking right now. And every mm-hmm. week it's like, okay, we're good. Oh, we took a step back. We're good. We Yeah, for as consistent back. as they've been, they haven't they haven't done it consistently. Correct. Correct. And that's I mean, again, you're starting to see teams. It's early, but you're starting to see some of these teams like the Ravens, like, okay, we're finding our way. Yep. You know, the Bengals were doing it before they got shellacked a couple weeks ago, but you saw them come back against the Panthers, like, this is who we are. Let's mm-hmm. get rocking and rolling. So those teams that have identities, right? What's amazing is so many teams in the NFL offensively are still trying to find their identities right now, in part because defenses have caught up in a lot of elements. But mm-hmm. we know what the Falcons are. We know who they are. Win the close games now, right? They're not a high turnover team. So do the little things and win these games. Put points on the board. You know, if you've got dogs on your team, start barking a little more loudly. Start biting a little bit harder in these situations where you've got to get two yards, you need to get them. You know, if you're if you're that dude, be a dude. And, and I think now the learning time is over because they've kind of staked who they are. It's time to go out and show it. Well, Steve, you are that dude, and I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to join me today and talk a little Falcons football. Everybody, please follow Steve Weish on Twitter at Weish89. Find all of his great stuff. Um, with the NFL Network and, and everywhere he does all his great work. Steve, thank you again so much for uh, coming on. Appreciate you, Will. That's it for today's show. I hope you guys really enjoyed hearing from Steve. Uh, just has so much insight into the game and, and the historical context to go along with that. Um, so I really always enjoy getting to hear his thoughts. All right, we're a few hours away from kickoff uh, or several hours if you're listening to this first thing in the morning. And if you are, thank you so much. Uh, be sure to tell your friends. Be sure to tell your family where they can also follow along um, with our glorious takes throughout the season. Not really sure uh, what the post-game plan is yet. I need to, to get with Ovi, figure out if we're going to you know, stay up late Thursday night, get something, knock it out, have it up to you first thing Friday morning. Candidly, I'm going to be up in the mountains this weekend uh, with family, so... Could be a little touch and go there. You may get something short and sweet from me uh, Thursday night. Just my quick thoughts on the game. You may get something solo from Ovi. Anyway, it's up in the air. I hope you guys will forgive us. We've got um, life going on as well, but we are going to try to get you our hot and juicy takes right fresh out of the oven um, when that game is over. Hopefully it's a good one tonight. Uh, The Falcons really need to, as Steve said, kind of start stringing some of these together. I think that they have played well. They've played certainly better on a week-to-week basis than I think we have become accustomed to from a team in Atlanta, which is a great start. But now those need to start leading to wins. It can't be enough to win a close game, lose a close game, win a close game, lose a close game. It's got to be win a big game, win a close game, you know, win a game, lose a game, win a game. Like They've got to start stringing some of these together in the back half. I think it'll begin tonight. Um, So... I'll leave it at that. All right. Today's podcast was presented as always by Bet Online. Thank you to Bet Online. Please like and subscribe, rate and review. That will do it for today's episode of Believe in Falcons. As always, everybody, take care.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.